0: I'm Bryony Kennedy, and you're listening to the Beauty Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. In the last 10 years of building Adorn Cosmetics, having three children, and advocating for more ethical beauty standards in the beauty industry, I've become intimately aware of what it's like to wrestle with the different areas of my life. Every fortnight, I'll share the tears and triumphs that I experienced when starting my ethical, conscious beauty company, dealing with depression, and caring for my children. My hope is that you'll grow to know it's okay to have imperfect days, that you are not alone in feeling like a mess and that you'll be inspired to commit to small but bold actions each and every day. Welcome back to another episode of Beauty, Business and Babies brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I'm joined by Michelle from The Pears Project, our producers, and today we're talking about how to incorporate sustainable practices in small business, which is the art of doing good business, I think. Ah,
1: yes, Bryony. so great to be back. And look, in this episode, I mean, it's so topical, you know, what we're talking about given the huge environmental challenges our world is currently facing, You know, so many of us entrepreneurs out there, we want to do better when it comes to the environment. We don't really know where to begin. So I guess let's start with you telling us a little bit about your approach uh, to sustainable practices when you
0: first launched Adorn. I guess for me it started really uh, as a child. I remember there was a lot of promotion around recycling and, and the whole thing with recycling bins you know and so for me as a kid I was always taking out the rubbish um picking it apart and putting everything in the recycling so just from a really young age I was really passionate about recycling I used to drive my mum Batty when I'd be separating the rubbish so I guess for me that was just always a practice that I had in my daily activity was that where i could i'd recycle things um and that was really all that was available to people until you know fairly recently really um but i guess i thought about it logically way before i guess it was even a thing where to me i'm thinking okay well if we have to recycle things we're still using resources to recycle those things so I'm just thinking in my own head, you know, 10, 20 years ago, you're still using fuels and electricity and all of this stuff to recycle these things Um, and you're still using resources at the very beginning to create these things we're recycling. So I guess when I started Adorn, I was really conscious of that and as much as there was just no talk about that, in my mind that kind of made sense that, Whilst I don't have a degree in any sort of sustainability or environmental practices, it it just to me made sense that I want to create a luxury brand but one that has as minimal impact as possible whilst still giving a beautiful product and experience. So there was some really conscious effort, I suppose, for me around, okay, yes, we want products that can be recycled but what can we not give, but still give the product? So that was really the beginning of my, I guess, my sustainable or more environmental journey with the dawn was really at the beginning. What can I do with less so that right from the beginning, I'm just not producing things that don't need to be produced?
1: I love that it was embedded in you, you know, that from such a young age you were doing the recycling and you making sure all the papers were in the right boxes and whatnot and 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 all of that. But I I guess my question to you is when it came to the business, and you know, you spoke about the fact that it was just how could we do more with less. Mm. Sometimes I think as entrepreneurs, it can become quite overwhelming because we're already dealing, especially when we're just starting out, we're dealing with how do we even source our product or, you know, how do we even get it created? It sometimes becomes an afterthought, you know, this Mm. idea of, okay, great, let's actually make it sustainable, even though, you know, it shouldn't be that way. You know, how can we... what are some things that we can do to get ourselves in that right headspace for taking into account sustainability at those very early stages when we're strapped for cash,
0: when a lot is happening? What can we do? Yeah, look, I know Stretch did all of the initiatives that Adorn has in place. Did I start with, you know, some things evolved and of course some things had to evolve as, you know, price wasn't so much an issue. And look, you know, when I started 13 years ago, sustainable options were super expensive. Um, they are more economical financially now. They are still more expensive. So I can understand um, depending on your brand where you might go with those choices. I mean, if you're selling a $2 lipstick as opposed to a $30, 40 lipstick, probably. You know, a biodegradable wind up tube is not viable. So, I guess it really comes down to what your brand is, what price point it is. And look, as much as I personally would love to say that all brands are doing the right thing, I'm also a realist. And, you know, there are going to be brands that are purely produced based on price. Um, and so, that is where, you know, there become some issues. Obviously, for, Adorn you know a lot of these things evolved over time, but one of the things that I did very early on was i didn 't produce out packaging for our products, so outer packaging, so I refer to it as we pack our products naked, so no matter whether you buy an eyeliner, lipstick, moisturizer it doesn 't matter that is what you get. You get the jar, you get the pencil, you get whatever it is, but there is no outer box, there is no outer plastic there's no bag there's nothing that is how you get it, which is really not the way a luxury brand, you know, 13 years ago would have retailed their products. You know, you would have the beautiful box and the, probably the cellophane and, the, you know, everything else that was around it. So, you know, I think initially some people were like, wow, this is a bit unique. But it was never, it was never a question of, oh, I want the box. I think people just realised, yeah, why do I even need that? That makes sense. So sometimes I think things that make sense just need to be brought out in the open before people realise, yeah, I don't actually, like I'm taking off four layers to get to the product that I need. That's saving money. So yeah. it not only does it make environmental sense, but it actually makes sense when you're starting a brand that if you can not produce those extra layers, you've got a, pr- a product that, you know, you can make more profit out of. Um, and so that was something that was easy because I just decided I'm not doing it. The downfall for that is that I can't uh, supply to retail so bricks and mortar you know so i really had to then go okay well this might take me a lot longer to develop this brand and you know have a following because i'm not going to go into stores it's all purely going to be online and that was a a a conscious decision that I made um, because I I just wasn't prepared to put things in boxes. So did it take our brand to get established um, a little bit longer than others? Yes, it definitely would have because we didn't have any in-store presence. But there's some other reasons why I didn't go into store either, which I'll touch on in a moment. Um, But for me, you know, that was something that, you know, I was quite proud of as well. And, you know, selling purely online 13 years ago was a hard task, um, especially for a colour cosmetic brand. So they're the things I think you know you can implement without actually increasing your expense so maybe you could make the choice around all right my actual packaging for my product whether I guess maybe you do have to put it in a bag maybe you sell clothing I don't know maybe you can invest into something biodegradable because then you're not using something else so if you are producing hand cream maybe because you don't need to put a box around it you could invest in more of a biodegradable tube so I think that you can look at things from that point of view Um, so for me that was the the number one thing I guess the initiatives that we had in place initially were creating small batches and that was something else that I think okay it may cost me a little bit more to do it this way and it definitely did at the beginning when i was producing like 20 bottles of something um but you know we still have continued that small batch decision to this very day so small batches for me and that could be that could be any product to me yes it's a little bit more expensive but i feel good knowing that i've taken only what i need from the environment so there's the the very beginning and then there's the end there's less likely to be an overrun or excess or products that haven't sold or they've gone out of date that I then have to dispose of. So that almost makes me want to cry to think about resources we've sucked from the environment to then put it in the bin. You know, it'd be like stripping a lemon tree and then just putting all the lemons straight into the bin. Like it's ridiculous to me. So from that point of view, small batches just make sense. Yes, they're a bit more expensive, but, you know, you are doing the right thing By the environment. Now, the other reason I don't sell in retail stores is for that reason as well, is that I don't feel that there's any kind of adequate quantity or measurement for me to know what's going to be popular and what's not. And so, therefore, not only are we using fuel and resources to distribute all of those products to different outlets, but I also then have to accept that I may have to take some of this product back because it may not sell and for me i just i just can't do that so i love the ability of being able to sell online because i know exactly how much product we've got at any one time and how much we will need and we can work very quickly to produce extra batches if we need to if we've sold more than um than what we need so for me it's all about maybe going a little bit out of stock um which it's kind of that fomo effect anyway yeah you might miss out on sales for a day or two but you know people I, i think they love knowing that oh it's sold out i need to get it it's it's i don't think it's bad for business um so there's less packaging, biodegradable packaging where possible. So most of our products are biodegradable. Now what that means is it's not going to degrade with your products um, on, your, on your bench. It just means that the plastic that's being used will or it's been designed to degrade in landfill. So all the gases and the, the funky stuff that occurs in landfill, if your jar or your bottle ended up there, it would actually degrade a lot quicker. So we're talking, you know, maybe three to seven years, not... 50, 100, never years. Um, So that's the biodegradable option. So we take an approach at a dawn that we would really like you to refill your products. So again, it's that whole end-to-end solution. We want you to not have to use much at the very beginning. So for us, it's about reusing that jar. So I don't have to make any more jars. I don't have to take more jars and create things, take resources from the environment, keep that jar, refill it so that all that's going to landfill or recycling is a little sachet. Um, So again, it's about reusing, refilling, using less at the very beginning. Um, And then of course, if at any point that product does end up in landfill, knowing that it will degrade a lot quicker than a standard plastic, so opting for biodegradable. And then on top of that, you know making sure it's small batches um but also recycling and giving your customers that post consumer waste option so for us what we've done is we have a company called TerraCycle that we send all of our beauty packaging to so if customers send us it could be old sharpener it could be an old jar an old bottle whatever it is they send that to us and at an expense to adorn we send this packaging to them And they then recycle that into things like pots, furniture and things like that. So to me, it's all about really very, very minimal use of anything unless you really need to produce it and then what happens to it at the end. So it's really a whole approach. It's not just, oh, can that be recycled? Yes, it can. Awesome. Well, that's great. But if you're producing a million batches of something and then half of that or a third of that doesn't get sold and you're actually then sending that to landfill All the retailers are that you send it to me. That, to me, that's not a really sustainable brand um, because you are just overproducing for the benefit or the opportunity to sell products, which I get. We're all in the business to make money. But I make money and I'm producing a lot less and I do not send anything. to This very day, 13 years on, not one product has been sent to landfill because it expired or it didn't sell. So that's something I'm super proud of. Um, We also... Exciting. All of our packaging that gets sent, so obviously we have to wrap things up so it's safe to and it's not going to get damaged. So all of our products rather get wrapped in um, a biodegradable wrap. So it's a, a recycled paper that when you stretch it, it looks like honeycomb. There's quite a few brands that use it now. It's amazing. It's bloody expensive, but it is amazing. Um, so we wrap with that. So what I love is the fact that we encourage and our customers do reuse that for wrapping for Christmas. Like we've got some ladies that do big posts about things that they've like all of their adorn wrapping they've saved all year and they use it for Christmas wrapping um and then our biodegradable shipping bags um are something that we're really proud of as well so um you know again it's all about that whole end-to-end solution and to me that commitment to the environment
1: oh my goodness so many great takeaways I was just nodding along throughout that whole thing I think a question that I've got for you and something that you kind of touched on was this idea of people saying that they're sustainable or they run a sustainable business or, you know, they've got elements of, you know, sustainable practice and whatnot, but who actually don't really, you know, they still send things off to land landfill and they've still got extra excess of a lot of things. You know, I feel like there's a, a massive culture now going around where it's like, Oh, but we're sustainable. Mm. We're a sustainable business at plastering it all across social mm. media or whatever it may be. And a lot of the time, you know, it's really tough as consumers because we don't know if that business is actually sustainable. Because there's a lot mm. out there, you know, and there's a lot of people not, you know, doing the right things. Mm. You know, for amazing women out there listening who are perhaps not as passionate about this topic, but really still want to do good and do good business. You know, firstly, what would be your comment to them around all of the things that we see out there, all these brands saying that they're sustainable when really a lot of them aren't, and how could they shape or how can we shape our businesses so that in an authentic way we can authentically be sustainable even if we can't do absolutely everything, the end-to-end like
0: yourself and Adorn do? Yeah. You know, is there a middle ground for us? Yeah, look, I think like... I know this is something that I'm really passionate about. I just hate waste, but by no means am I wearing, you know, one pair of pants that I've had for 50 years and I don't own anything else. Like, you know, I still like nice things and I still like to purchase things. I I get that. And I think the whole philosophy is around doing your best um, and, maybe just putting a little bit more thought into your purchases as a consumer you know do you really need it Um, and what will you do with it once you're finished with it Um, and then I think from a brand's point of view you know maybe you don't care about the environment so much I find that kind of hard but if you don't like maybe just think about your future Kids or family or or just you know the animals or f- find a reason I think and it's really about you know whether it's it's clothing whether it's an actual product um, how can you deliver that better um, without as much impact and you know I guess I understand there's ways things have to be distributed and you know I I know with clothes um, when I buy those online and um, it it really irks me and I've kind of the fact that they're all in individual plastic bags, you know, it really drives me mental. But I also understand, okay, Bryony, logistically, how would they deliver it any other way? Because all of the red t-shirts have to be in one section. I get it, and it's they're picking, and it, it's got barcode, so I I get it. But I feel like couldn't that be a biodegradable bag at least? I don't know, like there's, you know, so I definitely don't say, look, you just shouldn't do that or you shouldn't, I I just, I don't know, I just feel that there's, there's still not as much thought put into things as there could be. I understand there's a price point there. Um, but again, you know, that's that whole thing, you know, if you're going to buy a, a cheap item, um, it's probably not been made in the best sustainable fashion. It's probably not been made by a company that supports Fair work and good work conditions. Um, again, it's really about what, how this relates to you, and have you actually put any thought into it? Like, there's two sides to the thinking around, even I guess, like slave labor kind of things. So, you know, I think there's some there's some countries that are taken advantage of, um, and there's a brands that produce overseas for the for the reason that they get cheap labor. Um, and whilst that's wrong, I also and I think these brands should be putting in place better at work environments because this is better for the for the environment, for people, you know, they, they if they've got money, they can invest in their local communities. All of these things have a, a far-fetched um, reach. But I also understand that in some of these communities, you know, just to get any employment, you know, I'd, you wouldn't want to take away from these people, oh, okay, well, we don't want to look bad by giving these people jobs because it's cheaper and then not give them any work at all because that's what these people rely on. So it's not always black and white. Um, and so what I don't like is when people go on a, you know, this high moral ground where they're like, oh, I've just say no to all slave labour, say no to this, say no to this. like it's not that black and white. There is grey areas here where you need to really understand what you're saying and, um, so it's not always just clean cut and i get that um even producing clothes and things overseas or producing any products overseas it is cheaper but you know are you putting things in place to maybe make those workers more valued could you pay them a bit more those sorts of things um we produce locally simply because I'm really passionate about, um, again, from a sustainability point of view, I think that, yeah, it might cost you a bit more to produce here, but what you probably find that you're saving on is the shipping, like shipping especially now more than ever, is so bloody expensive and takes forever. So if you at least produce locally, you're saving time and money on shipping, which probably you could quantify over the units of product you've made locally, which may be a little bit more expensive. So from a cost point of view, I think you'll find if you look at it as a whole, it's not that much uh, more expensive. But from an environmental point of view, of course it's better because you're not got products on ships and you're not, you know, it's not fuel, it's not all of this disastrous stuff that happens to the oceans to get the products here or fuel for the planes to get it over here. Um, You know, it's just maybe a short truck drive that's within Australia and you're supporting local jobs and more than ever I think countries now need to look at how they can actually Produce locally and have their own um, their, their own little industries in place so that we're not relying on other countries all the time. So there's lots of different reasons that I'm passionate about sustainability, but also I'm definitely conscious of the fact that doing the best you can do is enough. I mean, I don't expect that everybody needs to be completely insane, stressing themselves out with guilt. You know, like oh wow, I used a plastic earbud and not a biodegradable one i'm a bad person like no you're not like so or i've got a plastic toothbrush not a bamboo one like i think okay don't if it's going to cause you angst just don't do anything that's not good for your mental health um but yeah look i I do think that there's some brands that are you know jumped on this sustainable bandwagon good that they're doing something even if they're doing it for the wrong reasons I don't care I think well you know you're doing the right thing um but yeah I still feel like the consumers are not thinking about the whole picture where I think they need to look at these brands and go okay well what do you do with the products don't sell um do you give them to charity maybe or does it get like like fabrics and clothing oh my god like it's just vile, the amount of waste. Like it's obscene and it ju- it's the one of the biggest landfill issues there is, is fabric. And a lot of these fabrics just don't degrade over over time at all. Like they're worse than plastic. It's shocking. So, you know, I think it's about not badgering a brand because there's always someone behind that brand that's put their heart and soul into it. Give them a break. Like I've had people say some awful and do some awful things when I first started out because they expect you to just be perfect. So we're all doing our bloody best. Um, so approach brands in a respectful way and just say, look, you know, I would just like to know what you do with with what doesn't sell. Um, how do you take responsibility for that? Um, why do you need to produce it with this? I just, I'm just interested to know. Have, give them some ideas. Like maybe if they have enough customers that are nicely telling them that they don't need their bamboo toothbrush in a cardboard box um maybe they'll stop putting it in there like it's it's really just about having a nice communication and you know doing our best and not making anyone feel horrible about you know how because people just are doing their best and in the times that we're in right now geez that's all you can do
1: that is all you can do i couldn't agree more i want to talk A bit about those of us who run service-based businesses or those, especially myself, but you know, those of us who perhaps work for service-based businesses and whatnot, you know, for, for those of us in, in that industry, what can we do to be more sustainable? You know, what are some of those practices that we can put in place? And I'm, personally very intrigued to hear this. I feel those of us who have offices and also those of us who
0: work remotely and have kind of that remote work set up. Well I think you know I'm a big advocate for people getting out and um, you know being part of a community and, and the last thing we want to do is all be shut up at home working via Zoom forever. It's not healthy and I think you know some of the issues that we we face today are because of a lack of community and a lack of community spirit. Um, that that sense of isolation um, that's happened over time um, is not healthy. So, you know, there's that. So I don't want to stop people going out and doing those things around connecting and being part of something. But in saying that, now that we have this revolution around working from home, I mean, you have just helped the environment without even meaning to because you're now not taking public transport, you're probably not buying coffees and coffee cups and, and, you know, waste, which is bad for the coffee cafes, I know. But from an environmental point of view, you're minimising your waste around buying food out, um, you know, you're not commuting and things like that. So for me, I think it's looking at, okay, maybe your service providers that you're using from home, as a service provider can you support someone local like a local electricity local gas rather than you know something that's offshore um again it's just about helping local people in jobs it's the little things isn't it that all collectively adds up um you know buy the bamboo earbuds now that you're at home and you're saving money on petrol it is the little things that add up like i mean i know people think oh it's just one bottle of water i just need it but if everybody in the world had that attitude, how many bloody plastic bottles would have been purchased in that second? So it's you, you don't have to make monumental change, um, especially as a service provider. I think you're already doing a great thing because you're at home working and you're already just naturally saving the environments from some things that you were using before. Um so, I think now that you're saving on those things, maybe, you know, and you're saving time, like you've got more time because you're not having to spend time commuting and maybe putting on as much makeup, and you've probably got your PJs on your bottom half. I don't know what you're doing, but all of that is giving you more time to do things. So, you know, maybe can you donate your time to a charity or something like plant some trees, or can you now afford, you know, some more sustainable products than you could before because you're not. Spending $2 a litre on petrol at the moment. (laughs) Love not spending on petrol. The
1: best, the best. Such valuable advice. I want to talk a little bit about education and sustainability. You know, I think even just this podcast today, Bryony has been so educational. I think there's a lot out there. There's a lot out Mm -mm. there for us to consume. We know deep down that yes, it's such an important topic. I mean, for those of us who are currently experiencing these floods and whatnot, it's, it's wild Mm. what is happening in the world with global warming and we know sustainability and and sustainable practices is the way forward, but I guess, Mm. you know, what Tips? could you give us around educating ourselves on this and for those of us who just feel a bit overwhelmed by it all and you know we're trying to implement what we can in our businesses and we're trying to do our best but but sometimes we just feel like it's an information overload you know what can we do in that scenario and where can we
0: turn yeah look I've got myself in that position many times where I've overwhelmed myself because you know just naturally I I'm inclined to want to do as much as I can. Um, so I think sometimes you can have too much empathy that it, it actually overtakes reason. Um, so I, I again, I don't, I don't think there's any real formula other than just know you're doing your best. And if you start feeling guilty about things and it's making you unwell, I think you just have to look at, okay, well, right now in this moment, that is what I can control. And look. I sometimes have to buy a bottle of water. Like, you know, I'm not proud of it, but like am I going to faint and pass out or do I buy the bottle of water? Like you've got to be sensible about your choices and, you know, no one needs to get themselves unwell about it because it is overwhelming. There is a lot and there are more brands than ever trying to get people's attention, so you do feel overwhelmed by all of that. But just just take a step back and just go, you know what? Right now, this is the decision for me. I can't afford to spend X amount of dollars on bamboo toothbrushes. I've got twenty kids. I need to do plastic. Like it's like be sensible about it. You know. It, it always starts with you and ends with you. And I think that, you know, there's so much information that we've got now that we've got access to, which is good and bad. So if there's something that you think, okay, all right, I want to start with organic food, just because I think it's supporting local, it's better for the environment, less pesticide, whatever it is, maybe you want to just start there and just research that. Just do one thing at a time. And then naturally, you'll You'll just do that without it even. It's a bit like learning to drive a car. You're really thinking about every indicator, every turn, every gear change, but then it just becomes second nature. You don't even know how you've driven the car anymore, let alone how you even got to your destination. It's just you do it. So when you, I suppose, take on this new approach it just becomes second nature then look at the next thing then go okay well maybe now I want to look at the disposable things that I use in my workplace you know can I go with uh, paper pens rather than plastic pens Um, you know it's really looking at little bite-sized chunks of things that you can do you know can you just change your bin liners to biodegradable bin liners that's that you know that in itself. Like, can you actually just take the time to separate your recycling and and you know your, your normal? It's so little, but collectively, people do not understand how powerful the little things you do will make the most significant difference. Because you know there's so many of us, it has to make a difference. So I just think the thing is not to get overwhelmed by it. Just do what you can. Really, just do what you can. Doing what we can,
1: again, such, such great advice. Oh, Bryony, we could... Listen to you for days on this topic it's so valuable and oh, so interesting. i haven't sent you to
0: sleep that's good <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so interesting and i think especially for those of us starting out building businesses you know trying to do good and also on the consumer side you know trying to just show up in the best way that we can and to do good by the environment you know i think it's it is the little things and you've just detailed that so well for us today so thank you so much
0: thank you Thank you for listening to the Beauty Business and Babies podcast brought to you by Adorn Cosmetics. I hope there was something in today's episode that you found relatable and made you feel less alone. As women, we're all struggling with something on the inside, but we're often too afraid to ask for help. If there was something in this episode that you think might help another woman you know, please share it with them and let me know by screenshotting this episode and tagging me on social media at Bryony A. Kennedy and at Adorn Cosmetics. If you love what Adorn Cosmetics stands for, subscribe to this podcast right now and head to adorncosmetics.com.au to become an Adorner and receive special offers on all things Adorn. Thank you once again for listening and being part of my journey. I'll see you next time.